0: Welcome to my mommy's
1: podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Good Kitchen. Have you ever wished you could have delicious and healthy meals on the table in mere minutes? The Good Kitchen answers that problem. So they provide quality-sourced meals, including healthy school lunches, right to your door. Their meats are grass-fed and pastured, and they use freshly sourced produce as well. And they don't just send you the ingredients like some delivery services. They send you the fully prepared, chef-quality meals. You can check them out at wellnesswama.com forward slash go forward slash good kitchen. This episode is also brought to you by Primal Kitchen, all the good kitchens today. It's founded by my friend Mark Sisson of Mark's Daily Apple. The Primal Kitchen is now my source for some of my favorite kitchen staples. So if you haven't tried their delicious avocado oil mayo, including their chipotle mayo, you're seriously missing out. I have made my own mayo for years and years because there were never any good options to buy that didn't have vegetable oils in them. And now there are. Primal Kitchen has completely changed that with their products. They also have some delicious pre-made salad dressings and we use their products all the time. You can check them out at primalblueprint.com and if you use the code wellnessmama, you get 10% off any order. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from WellnessMama.com, and today's episode is going to be so much fun because I am here with Dr. Anna Kabeka, who I have met and had wonderful conversations with in person, and who is a wealth of knowledge. She is an Emory University trained gynecologist and obstetrician and an expert in menopause and sexual health. She's also an internationally recognized speaker and educator. She's in high demand, and I'm so grateful she's here with us today. She has also created several products to help with Uh, hormones and feminine care, including one called Jolva, which we'll talk about. Also a supplement I've taken, Mighty Maca, which is a hormone balancing drink. And then she also has programs to help women with various aspects of women's health. So Dr. Anna, thanks for
0: being here. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. And thanks for all you do too. Oh, I'm so glad
1: you're here. This is going to be fun. It's an area I get a lot of questions about, but I feel like anything related to sexual health women are also a little bit more hesitant to talk about. So I love that we're going to delve into this and hopefully shed a lot of light on some areas that women have questions. So to start, I would love to hear a little bit about your story and how you came to um, have all this research and background in this area and um, how you're helping women with these different um, issues that they're having related to female health.
0: Yeah, absolutely happy to share that. And it's been a journey for sure. I trained at Emory University as a gynecologist and obstetrician, as you said, and I was a National Health Service Corps scholar. So I ended up here in St. Simons Island area of Georgia and at my clinic, um, community clinic was in McIntosh, which is a shrimping village on the coast here of Georgia. So I really was like the end all be all for so many clients who really hadn't had access to gynecologic care before, let alone from a woman and, and Spanish speaking too. So I had to get really creative in, in how I could address the issues in a very, uh, creative way that didn't cost a lot of money and didn't involve surgery. So i realized really, that started my journey in bioidentical hormones, but truthfully, one of my first clients was this 63 year old silver hailed, silver haired dynamo, who was the CEO of a biotech company who had waited to see me. And, uh, she came in saying, Hey doc, I am a woman of the sixties and I, my libido is important to me. My husband and I no longer have sex. I'm dry as a desert. And I'd rather die than live this way. I had a history of ductal carcinoma in situ and no one will give me hormones. What What can you do for me? How can you help me? And that started my journey digging into using bioidentical hormones and androgen therapy in in the, those um, sensitive clients, you know, ones with breast cancer or ductal carcinoma in situ or history of blood clots. And if I'm treating anyone that way, how do I treat the, you know, everyone as safely as possible? So that's kind of how, how it, how it evolved. And happy to say that woman is in her seventies now, still skis. Her bones are better than they were. And she's doing, she's doing amazing. That really reignited her and she still lobbies on Capitol Hill. So I think that's the goal. It's like, how do we really re embrace? And that's what I studied re embracing our femininity, empowering ourselves no matter what our age from early shifts that happen with pregnancy and how that transforms our body dealing with those changes and then as well as our hormones change and fluctuate again as we go through menopause so i've really dug into this plus my own personal journey was early menopause at age 39 years old after a really tragic tragic time in our lives and i was told i would never be able to have another child Katie at, and my husband and i desperately wanted to. So I dealt with infertility, a diagnosis of menopause and told, you know, I'd complete ovarian failure. And the only way I could conceive of having a child again would be through egg donation possibly. And I'd failed the highest dose of medication. So my personal story is one of, of looking for answers personally and professionally. As I go along, I'm happy to say that my little miracle baby is now nine years old, And I am over 50 with a nine-year-old and still um, continuing to do well and recover those hormonal changes, recover from those hormonal changes, aging gracefully as, as I go along. So it's been a journey.
1: Yeah, I love your story. And I love that you have your miracle baby. And I think your work highlights such an important point that I think applies to so many aspects of health, which is that the problems or any issues potentially start way before we think to think of them. So I know for like, for me with autoimmune disease, I probably had elevated antibodies and symptoms that I didn't feel for many years before I had the ones that I felt. And I wonder if With hormones, it's kind of the same thing, like women who maybe menopause isn't on their radar. There are things that you can do to support your body earlier in life that make menopause easier or keep it from happening early. As you found in your case, you were able to reverse that. So... If you're up for it, I'd love to kind of start at the beginning because, like you said, I think a lot of women experience some pretty severe changes when it comes to pregnancy and especially postpartum. That's almost, uh, you know, the fodder of sitcoms that women have no libido whatsoever after having a baby and that, like, how dare a man even, like, consider asking her because she obviously has no libido. But, I mean, from your work, it doesn't have to be like that and it shouldn't be, right? So, what are these changes that women are experiencing? And are they normal? Or are there things we can do to help support our body
0: in that period? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And we can talk about what are normal changes versus optimal changes and what things that, you know, I think I hear from so many women, well, I just powered through it, you know, I just dealt with it, I just, you know, figured that was normal. And it really, most of the time, you don't have to struggle or suffer with it. Let's start with the postpartum period, because I think that's a really um, challenging time for so many women. I mean, I was not one of those pretty pregnant women, nor was I pretty postpartum. So (laughs) it was um, one of those, it was a challenge. I always say, you know, God has, has put me on this earth to um, bring solutions to women by making me the key subject, of you know the lessons (laughs) that I need to teach so um, in this postpartum period many women are struggling with this hormonal you're you know a huge hormonal shift right one of the largest of our lifetimes and that's with a huge in pregnancy progesterone the progestation hormone the hormone that supports pregnancy healthy pregnancy is really high Postpartum that drops, that drops off quite rapidly. And many women experience postpartum blues more now than we did before because of all these endocrine disruptors. And it's one of the reasons I love your work, one of the many reasons I love your work, because you bring up all the time these hormone disruptors and natural, healthy alternatives that make our life easy. It doesn't have to be hard, right? The same with these hormone changes. So the drop in progesterone can lead to the blues or postpartum depression in really severe cases. We need to understand that progesterone also helps our our brain, a healthy brain. Like progesterone is the hormone of um, good feeling. So it helps the neurotransmitter. It produces the neurotransmitter down line. GABA, um, which I always associate with the rock group ABBA, and that brings me to the musical Mamma Mia, and I think, oh, progesterone GABA, oh, it's such a good feeling, right? And that's really that kind of that combination between the brain, the body, the hormones. There's that connection there. So postpartum, we get that drop. And what I found as an obstetrician and gynecologist is using progesterone postpartum as well can help with so many issues of that postpartum depression. So bioidentical natural progesterone can help with mood and help with the recovery time period And that is a big precursor hormone to our other sex steroids, estrogen, progesterone. I mean, estrogen, DHEA, and testosterone derive from progesterone, which all derive, again, from cholesterol. So healthy cholesterol, again, is really key. Start Start at the top, but also sometimes we need to support from the bottom. So the bottom hormones being estrogen and testosterone. And so when those decline naturally in the postpartum period, um, it's a time of, there's a time period of recovery. Taking that time to recover is critical. So nurturing and nourishing ourselves is critical because when we're stressed, And having a newborn baby, I mean, you've had six, I've had four, and there's a high level of stress with that time period. You know, there's just that hypervigilance that is part of our genetics that surfaces too. So less sleep, more stress, more hypervigilance, then that can lead to lower estrogen, lower testosterone, lower DHEA, which are all hormones of intimacy, connection, and bonding those key components. We are emitting a lot of oxytocin, especially when we're breastfeeding moms, right? Because we've got breastfeeding, it stimulates oxytocin release, which is the hormone of love, bonding, and connection. So we are connecting, really bonding, cementing our being with our baby's being. And so sometimes there's not so much left for our husband. We need to really make that a conscious effort. So this time period, also, I think it's really important to um – like lessen lessen the guilt about not having a libido during this time period because there's a physiology a natural physiology to it, but also recognizing we now get a, a more significant shift from having a primary libido to a secondary libido. So what I hear women say and what it sounds like is, you know, I'm not I don't think about sex. I'm not as interested in, but once we get started with foreplay, then I'm good when I get there. So, and that's a secondary libido, and that is more physiologic, especially as we as we age and postpartum. So that's a bigger part. It's like it's going to take us longer to warm up and get oxytocin secreting with beautiful connection, intimacy, feelings, that warmth, get that brewing, right? And then you feel okay. Now I'm into it, and that's normal. Secondary men they have primary libido their entire life, right? Primary desire. To, primary desire urges their entire life but women it's more secondary and so making making it part of you know making intimacy which is so important because that oxytocin hormone is just so important it has to be kind of prioritized as ways especially if you're not feeling so connected to your mate is to start with cuddling caressing foreplay and then recognize, Oh, yeah, now I'm into it. Now I'm getting closer. Now I'm feeling more connected. And that's, that's really more beneficial. And I think it's definitely more significant after we've had two children, there's that two children, two year loss of libido phenomenon. And that's just that constant drain on our sex steroids.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think another thing that you have written about, and I think that's so important is because a lot of women in that phase of life, like you said, it's not front of mind, you have so much going on. And so it's easy just to think, well, like, that's like not a priority. It's not important. But as far as like, there are a lot of benefits, right, to having a good sexual relationship, even in that time um, for a woman's body and hormones, right? Aren't there things there that like we are naturally supporting by having a healthy sex life?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, from our our, our hormones of rejuvenation and anti-aging, right? So we think of our growth hormone, stimulating testosterone, stimulating growth hormone, stimulating oxytocin with a healthy, connected intimacy. Those are huge. And we know that oxytocin is an anti-aging hormone that even in um, our studies were shown in Berkeley in our 70s and 80s and our muscle cells, oxytocin improves muscle cells regeneration and regrowth. And, and that's important. I, you know, it brings me to the image of the issue of resveratrol, right? We, we hear resveratrol in our nutrition, you know, nutritional medicine space and think, okay, resveratrol from red wine is this great anti-aging antioxidant. But I always question, I say really is, I mean, certainly it has those properties but is it, is it the longevity among these Mediterranean wine drinkers because of the red wine? Or is it because they're sitting at a table with their friends and laughing and they have community and they're looking after each other? And, and that releases a ton of oxytocin. So is it really the red wine or is it the oxytocin? And I would bet on the latter hands down.
1: That makes sense. And I think another thing that I actually get quite a bit of questions about this, and I know um, you have a lot of research on it, is... We know now that there is a gut microbiome. We know there's an oral health microbiome. We know that their bacterial influence is very important in our body. Um, But I feel like the vaginal microbiome is much less talked about. But I get a lot of questions from women in those postpartum or pregnancy times of their life who are experiencing changes there, like maybe more yeast infections or um, just like changes. So can you talk about that? Can you address the vaginal microbiome and how we can support it?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a common issue throughout our life, and especially when it comes to yeast infections. And as a gynecologist, that is a frequent, it's it's a frequent complaint. And the struggle is recurrent yeast infections, you know, more than one a year. And that just really says there's a huge imbalance to not just the vaginal microbiome, but to the intestinal health, right, to our gut health. The vagina is a window to that, essentially. It's mucosal membranes, like on the inside of our mouth. And it is predominantly healthy, like, you know, beautiful, uh, multiple strains, but predominantly lactobacilli bacteria. That is the natural flora, the natural, um, bacteria living within our vagina. And that's normal. We have that. We need that. That's important for cells. Um, secretion, for cell health, for cell turnover, defense, you know, immune support, all of those important things. And so vaginal, when our vaginal pH is imbalanced by hormones, for example, hormones of pregnancy, we're really creating a tremendously lush environment. And we may have an increase in blood sugar, an increase in glucose, that's also uh, part of the um, scenario. As uh, we provide more fuel to our babies and that creates imbalance in the natural yeast within our vagina to the lactobacilli so we can tend to get, you know, this lesser flora, yeast love it little extra glucose in there and glycogen and here you get the increase in yeast, increase in uh, vaginal candidal infections predominantly and that can can shift. The other, you know, when we think of the vaginal pH, again, different parts of our body have different pHs. Well, the vaginal pH is intended to be somewhat acidic in the range of 3.5 to 4.5. So, another problem I see is in women too in using Soaps or supposedly vaginal hygiene products, I don't think there's any I recommend, or douching, that throws off your vaginal pH and it throws off your vaginal flora and it's one of the reasons I don't recommend it. So uh, those things can really be affected. So where we have to go to, if we have vaginal yeast infections is to improve our probiotics, improve our gut health, you know, naturally uh, restoring the health of our GI tract is an important window, you know, again, important aspect of restoring the healthy vaginal tissue. And, And sometimes we supplement with probiotics and sometimes we use vaginal probiotics so using your probiotic vaginally so that's another option the other thing is definitely avoid you know perfumed um san- you know the sanitary wipes and you know vaginal hygiene products so to speak and look at what you're washing your clothes in you know, use organic pads avoid harsh chemicals of any kind things like that because that does throw off that does throw off the lactobacilli
1: That makes sense. And then what can we do from the internal perspective? So those are all awesome ideas. um, And I think really helpful for from the vaginal perspective, especially. But when it comes to other hormones, as you were talking about a couple minutes ago, you write about this, and you actually have Mighty Maca to help support this. So I'd love for you to talk about that. But what can we do internally to support hormones in these different phases of life naturally? I know that um, you also deal with natural hormone therapy, and I want to talk about that as well. But for maybe someone who doesn't need that level, what are some other things we can do to support our hormones internally.
0: Yeah, it support our natural production of hormones. So and that is, again, honoring our design. And for so many reasons, it's considered, you know, it's like where we connect with nature. It's number one, it's avoiding the toxins, the endocrine disruptors, the toxins that affect us when we're looking at our vaginal health, though, I think what's again, addressing things that improve the overall skin and intestinal health. So healthy fats, alkalinizing diet so hence keto alkaline dietary choices right so staying low carb healthy fats good alkalinizers in our diet that that's really important to shift and help our bodies repair and also not produce extra glucose that can just definitely seed vaginal yeast infections and then if we're dealing with you know chronic vaginal yeast infections we have to get aggressive more aggressive again figuring out it do we have an issue with our blood sugar regulation and then also you know is there something else with our diet or Do we need some strong antifungals herbal antifungals and what does that look like but producing or allowing our body to produce its natural hormones without disruption is key and so hence um you know, birth control pills can make it more likely to get vaginal yeast infections. So eliminating that, and then adding, you know, adding back the healthy foods that are so critical for our life, but also, again, just getting getting into more of a natural existence, sleeping well, all those things that you teach about sleeping well, eating well, moving well, thinking well, that especially that one, that positive self-talk, because that's a huge part of our feminine design is really maintaining, maintaining that love, love for ourselves and love for others. So when it comes to internal like internal care and internal hormones, some of the key hormones that fluctuate as we age and and, and shift as we grow older, our, you know, again, it starts with progesterone. It starts with a rapid decline of progesterone postpartum. We see it. And then in our mid thirties, we start to see it where it starts to become the question, is this me? You know, am I, is this me or my hormones, right? What's going on here? Is it clients say it just doesn't feel like me anymore and you're feeling off and that can be the lack of desire lack of energy loss of memory and then other physical symptoms like fatigue weight gain hair loss all of those things can be a symptom of this estrogen dominance or progesterone decline and unfortunately it shows up often with clients Um, you know what I would see is, is clients coming in and either you know have been the standard GYN treatment would be your hormones start to shift. We put you on either Prozac or birth control pills or both together. And then if that still doesn't work, you know, you've got irregular cycles, maybe that ends up with a hysterectomy with the ovaries removed. And then from there, what happens next? And I I jokingly say, well, then, you know, the next step is the divorce attorney, because you feel disconnected, you're no longer have any natural or very little natural hormone production you're continually stressed out and in that high cortisol state you have very low oxytocin and you're no longer connected so we see that hormone that downhill hormone spiral when we don't hit back to these natural points these principles of holistic natural living
1: Yeah, I think that's super important. And um, I love that you have a lot on your website. I know I'll make sure to link to a lot of the stuff that you have as resources for these different issues that women may struggle with. Um, But I'd also love to transition a little bit and now talk about menopause and premenopause because um, this isn't an area that I am yet. I'm still very much in the you know, childbearing age and having kids, but I know that um, I saw my mom go through this, and I know that readers, I get questions about this, and I don't really have good answers for them because I have no firsthand experience. So, can you start high level and explain uh, hormonally what's happening? And like you said earlier, like what are the normal changes, and what it, what are the not normal changes that someone should maybe look out for or be willing to address?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I do have some great videos, very quick videos that go into what is a hormone, first of all, what happens as we age, and then what happens on a monthly cycle, and what those hormones are that we typically talk about, especially as gynecologists or hormone experts. So from this point, you know, hormones are these communication messengers in our body, so no wonder we feel disconnected when they're out of whack, right? But hormones, as we start to age, that mid-30s, we see a decline in progesterone, Sharply and then gradually over time, we'll get a decline in estrogen, testosterone, and DHEA as well. DHEA is an adrenal hormone, but it's also produced by the ovaries. And so, those testosterone and DHEA are important hormones to rebuild muscle, to help with memory, that are immune supportive, and are important aspects of hormones as we age. They're not just male hormones, women have them too. So, these start to shift, and that create some of the symptoms I mentioned that leads to gynecologic problems or mental problems, right, anxiety, depression, even heart palpitations can be a sign of hormone imbalance. And it's, you know, it's important to address, okay, what's the underlying causes before we just treat the symptoms. And so when, when we're aging, we're getting these shifts. And on a cyclical basis in the perimenopause, sometimes that progesterone deficiency leads to symptoms, worsening symptoms of premenstrual symptoms symptoms. And again, PMS is often a joke of sitcoms, right? Oh, she's PMSing. And that's not something a woman who is PMSing ever wants to hear, right? And so I always tell clients if you only hate your husband 2 weeks a month, it's probably your hormones, not your husband. Although I'm sure they have a part to play. <laughs> so, so we have to think about that our hormones, our hormones really can affect our mood. And getting that into balance is key. And, and certainly the ways that I do that is through detox, nutritional, healthy nutritional program, really eliminating toxins. And, um, I, you know, I talk about uh, keto alkaline, really getting alkaline first, checking your urine pH, not talking about blood pH, but checking urine pH to get that pH alkaline, that does make a difference in how we feel. I've I've worked with hundreds of clients now, especially in the perimenopause and menopause, and we do a lot better when we get that urine pH alkaline. Let me tell you, it makes life better. And so how do we get there? We get there through, again, that healthy lifestyle, eating, eating more greens, um, avoiding sugars, de-stressing, elevating cortisol will make our bodies more acidic. And that also is a component, unfortunately, of this transition page phase of our life because we're kind of feeling that added stress, strain, fear, and that can create this elevated cortisol. And this is where we practice the being present, why that's so important, breathwork, meditation, spirituality, prayer, faith, focus on all things good, all those um, biblical principles come to be such an important discipline and practice to adhere to because that brings us into the present moment and that can help balance co- cortisol. So we'll get an increase in cortisol and an increase in insulin as we age. Now, that's really key because as gynecologists, we want to say estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Those are the oh-so-important hormones, but what's really critical and what we really need to get a handle on, it's cortisol and insulin because those are the hormones that rapidly age us and that really affect our reproductive hormones that I've mentioned. So as we're aging, we're getting this gradual fluctuation in hormones, swinging of estrogen, which can create the almighty hot flash that can be, and night sweats that can leave us even more sleepless. So we have to address these changes early on before, really before we get the symptoms. And that as sometimes is, is just recognizing that we have to nurture ourselves as a priority, right? And hard to do when you're a mom. I'm a single working mom as well. And that, you know, is definitely one of those, um, where you have to really create those disciplines and practices that serve you and help to balance your hormones. Because there's nothing in a pill or that we can do with a prescription pad or a surgical knife that beats lifestyle changes, healthy lifestyle changes. So that has to be, and again, I want say I studied eight years of medicine, actually a lifetime of medicine to be able to say that. But it's really critical. It makes the biggest difference. And so as you experience, as women experience these shifts, the PMS, et cetera, the things that I found very important is, again, keto alkaline lifestyle is maybe doing two or three meals a day, but really getting that alkaline nutrition plan on board. And then we use things to stimulate your body's natural elimination of estrogens, excess estrogens, and help your body naturally produce progesterone and so we use the green formula that i created called mighty maca which has over 30 ingredients in it 30 superfoods in it that really work to combine to help your body produce more dhea and what we're finding as well increase your um, natural ovarian function improving progesterone um, secretion as well so naturally helping with supporting your estrogen metabolism and progesterone metabolism. And, and those are when we can add things on top of maintaining this healthy lifestyle, but also recognizing that those of us living in, in our, our American culture, are often, you know, again, we're exposed to so many more chemicals, so many more stressors than our parents, let alone our parents' parents were. And we have to add, we have to have more tools in our toolbox, more, you know, uh, important um, tricks in our cupboard, so to speak, to help us really transition healthfully so that we can keep our body parts. Because as a gynecologist, often seeing women who have had hysterectomies or their ovaries removed, or God forbid, their breasts removed, I was asked the question, why did you need this procedure? And it's very rare that a client really knows the answer to that. But when we address the symptom, when we treat the symptoms, like the uterus that's bleeding heavy or the breast mass, without treating the underlying cause of that symptom, we leave the body exposed to more diseases. And that's often what happens. But what we have to do instead and say, okay, well, what caused this imbalance in hormones? What caused this inflammatory condition? And let's get functional. Let's address the reason for that. We're going to improve the outcome, the sense of well-being. And that makes a difference.
1: Yeah, I think you have such a balanced perspective on this. And I love that you talk about the fact that We do have to deal with more stressors than our parents or our grandparents did from our environment and from our food, so we don't get to just have the same kind of past that they did to just kind of coast through life. There are things we have to be more proactive about, and I know Dr. Tom O'Brien has been quoted saying that men today have a third of the testosterone that their grandfathers had at the same age because, like you said, we're being bombarded by all these endocrine disruptors and chemicals that really impact the body more than we realize because it's not like when you have a food reaction and you feel it immediately. These are underlying lower level things, but that break down the body over time Uh, And I also love that you said that about if you only hate your husband for two weeks of the month Then it might be your hormones because I don't have really pms But every time i've been pregnant This always happens the last month of it where I get super hormonal towards the very end And then I go through this crazy nesting period where i'm crying all the time and he's like you're going to go into labor tonight, you really need to go to bed. And I'm like, I'm never having this baby. Stop it. And like super emotional, obviously not logical. And of course, he's always right. So I think that's such a funny and important point as well. This podcast is brought to you by The Good Kitchen. Have you ever wished you could have delicious and healthy meals on the table in mere minutes? The Good Kitchen answers that problem. So they provide quality sourced meals, including healthy school lunches, right to your door. Their meats are grass-fed and pastured, and they use freshly sourced produce as well. And they don't just send you the ingredients like some delivery services. They send you the fully prepared, chef-quality meals. You can check them out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash good kitchen. This episode is also brought to you by Primal Kitchen, all the good kitchens today. It's founded by my friend Mark Sisson of Mark's Daily Apple. The Primal Kitchen is now my source for some of my favorite kitchen staples. So if you haven't tried their delicious avocado oil mayo, including their chipotle mayo, you're seriously missing out. I have made my own mayo for years and years because there were never any good options to buy that didn't have vegetable oils in them and now there are. Primal Kitchen has completely changed that with their products. They also have some delicious pre-made salad dressings and we use their products all the time. You can check them out at primalblueprint.com and if you use the code wellnessmama, you get 10% off any order. But you also mentioned birth control pills a few minutes ago, and I want to circle back on that because I have done a lot of research on this as well, and certainly I'm opposed to them from the health perspective, if nothing else, because they really do impact the body negatively, and at least from my research, when you're already being bombarded by plastic chemicals and estrogen in the water and all these things that we're facing, to add one more chemical that's going to affect your hormones may not be the best course of action, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that, Um, and also I know you have written some in the past about how women can use things like cycle tracking apps and all kinds of new technology um, as natural ways to avoid pregnancy, that there are ways you can support your body in doing that. So can you delve into that as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what the issue is in our society today is this layering effect of toxic exposure right? It's not just one thing, but it's this layering effect of toxic exposure. Now, when it comes to birth control pills, this is definitely an area I dealt with as a gynecologist, certainly, but as a mom of four daughters, right? It's like, okay, you know, in my household, when PMS, I I had my my first daughter, my belfie, belfie is French first. It stands for stepdaughter, but belfie, literal translation is beautiful girl. And it just sounds so much nicer than saying stepdaughter. So my daughter, Brittany, she, when she came to live, with us at 16 oh my gosh her pms was horrible so i I detoxed her you know i didn't want i know that the research shows especially if we start girls on birth control pill at age 16 with undeveloped mammary glands per se we can increase the risk of later life problems and that's what i knew this is now 12 i guess she was 16 13 oh my gosh 13 years ago now so we would do our nutritional detox program and she would swear by it you know mighty maca you know, detox shakes, get alkaline, all that good stuff. And, and so she's definitely, and that's so important, especially for older moms listening, you know, when we're going through the change of, you know, our change of hormones with perimenopause and menopause and they're starting their periods or going through PMS, crazy cycles. It's a, it's a challenge in the household. So we got to do everything we can. We have to dig deep into our arsenal to, To combat these things, but I think that the toxic layering effect—you know—the exposures that we're getting one upon another upon another—you know—from preservatives and foods, the antibiotics and foods killing off our microbiome, the stress that you know our our youth are going through, et cetera. Not not to mention us can impact us. And birth control pills are high dose, um, high dose hormones. I mean, they're a pregnancy, pregnancy level hormone. We're doing a lot better than the first birth control pills that came out 70 years ago now, as far as lower doses, but they're still all with synthetic progestins, which we know have negative cardiovascular profile. We know negatively affect our breast. So to shut our eyes and our medical societies and say, Oh, well, it's okay. Well, really, you know, I mean a little bit when needed, I think that's per perfectly okay but long term no I don't think it's I don't think it's okay we need to definitely cycle off I think we need to get better about um, non-hormonal birth control and as a medical society we need to come up with better non-hormonal birth controls and again empowering the woman to own to know her body and to own her body and also to own her yes and own her no when it comes to intimacy is is important and we have to work again on that as a society as well but there are some cycle tracking apps there are some temperature you know you can monitor your body temperature and check for fertility as well as you can monitor and check for those time periods when you're not fertile but certainly there are higher failure rates with that but the safety profile is a lot better so other thing that I, I do with many clients is use non-hormonal intrauterine contraceptive devices, and I use that quite frequently, and and that's, you know, that's been great. And as far as in my household, you know, that's one of the things that you know I needed to do with um, one of my daughters is just a non-hormonal um, intrauterine contraceptive device just to just to cover, to cover her on the others, you know, it's, it's uh, really understanding your body and not using birth control pills. But with my clients and prescribing probably thousands and thousands of prescriptions of birth control, what I learned is how birth control pills really affect your nutritional quality of life and your cellular function. And this sets you up for You know, at risk conditions. And one of the things that's so important to replace are the minerals and nutrients that birth control pills can rob you of. So magnesium, B vitamins, folate, those are important if we're on birth control pills and it's necessary. It's the best option for us at this time. There's no other option then we need to make sure we're supplementing with good nutrients and we're also eliminating other toxins from our life just so we don't have that increased layering effect because we're seeing so many hormone disruptors or estrogen mimickers in our environment that it does affect young women and that means older women, that means pregnant women, and um, certainly menopausal women. So really important to consider that. And if we are able to take if we're if it's our necessity for us, that's our choice. But if it's able to take drug holidays from that, I think that's really giving your body a reprieve and a benefit as often as possible.
1: Gotcha. And um, I want to make sure we circle back and also talk about the products that you have and how they support the body. Because um, like I said, I've used your products in the past, but maybe work it in. Can you start with if a woman was coming to you with any of these problems, or maybe a woman listening is just interested in making sure she's supporting her body hormonally and, you know, her vaginal microbiome so that she can avoid these problems, what would be the first and most important steps you would give her to start with?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So in in working with clients, I always say that it's important to really like know what is going on underneath, like to really ask yourself, do the, be your Nancy Drew, figure out, you know, when do you feel, when are you feeling your best? When are you feeling your worst? What may be some triggers around that and, you know, can eliminate some of those? Great. And if not, let's really dig and let's manage these hormones. So I've always looking for solutions for women naturally from a really holistic perspective. That's how I trained. That's how I was brought up in my family. And now that's what I recognize personally and professionally works best for me and the clients that I've had the blessing to take care of. And I've since uh, retired my clinical practice, but I still coach and consult. And, um, so natural solution is, you know, really to alkalinize your body first. And I think that's where Mighty Maca came in, in my practice, Mighty Maca Plus, which is a superfood combination, because I knew that from my personal story and my journey of infertility and premature menopause, that the ingredients I put into this combination uh, called Mighty Maca Plus was part of that solution, was outside the box, was part of that solution to help my body heal, right? I say, I want to do everything I can as a gynecologist, and everything I can as a child of God that comes really, it's so important. So it's, it's, you know, it's that combination that I adhere to. So when looking at, okay, what can we do? creating a natural solution like this combination. Maca is a great adrenal adaptogen. It's very good and supportive and adding that with other alkalinizers and antioxidants. And so I start clients with Mighty Maca typically and I have them do one to two scoops a day And if they're having PMS symptoms, go to two to three scoops at the time of their period because I want people to take food or as close to it as possible. I mean, adding that into your nutritional regimen as a boost when you're dealing with these things, it's an extra support. So I often recommend this combination called Mighty Maca. superfoods, Mighty Maca Plus superfoods. So it's a the combination, you just mix it in your smoothie mix. And that's another thing that I have clients do. I have them drink a protein smoothie once a day, either for breakfast, lunch or dinner, one of the three and just substitute out a meal for something that you're going to give your body good nutrients, or you know, make yourself a good green smoothie, make yourself some, you know, um, healthy, if you're making a healthy green smoothie, lay low on the carbs and maybe add some healthy fats like avocado, coconut oil, some fresh ground flaxseed, adding those components to your smoothie to add the natu- extra support for estrogen and hormone detoxification. So that's one of the first things that I have clients do at, while I'm waiting for their lab results or blood tests to come back and, and assessing their hormones. And what I found over the years is that by the time my client came back in for their lab results, they were already feeling 90% better. You know, it just really helped me turn or look deeper into my practice patterns. So that's one of the things that one of the solutions that I created where none existed naturally for women, right? Because what's the option I had as a gynecologist? Birth control pills and Prozac, right? I wanted to do something different for patients. And lo and behold, this work, and let alone we have um, several mighty maca babies in our um, in our client base now too. So I'm super excited about that. Getting your body back in balance, empowering yourself healthfully is key. So in in that part of that, adding in Mighty Maca, working on your nutritional program is again, checking your pH for alkalinity for alcohol. You know, that's key. I want your pH, your urine pH to be alkaline, a pH of 7 or better, and I actually created urine test strips. Again, always looking for something that's easy for us that measured pH and ketones because I periodically want to get into that intermittent fasting stage and get our body to produce ketones as well. So I have urine test strips that include pH and ketones that I have clients test so that they actually know, it's like tests don't guess, Sometimes we can think we're doing everything right, but unless we're testing, we really don't know. Like we can be eating greens, we can be vegetarian, but still have very acidic urine because it's not just diet that can that affects our body chemistry. There's so many other things. Diet and exercise are maybe 25% each of the whole picture. And, and so that's how I would start with clients. And then the second thing is, you know, we talked a little bit about the hormonal changes and things that happen postpartum, post episiotomy. You know, prolonged um, post-breastfeeding, and in the perimenopause and menopause, and that's the vaginal changes or the urinary leaking when we cough or sneeze, and and so many women think that we're just destined to have that, and that's not true. And so I created a, a solution, of, call it anti-aging cream for your vulva to kind of to help with uh, restoring, nourishing those delicate tissues all the way from the clitoris down to the anus. Hemorrhoids aren't fun either, and the solution's not Preparation H. The solution's not a hemorrhoidectomy. Same with vaginal dryness. Vaginal estrogen only works on a a single aspect of the vaginal canal, the vaginal health, whereas DHEA, one of the hormones that I put in, um, well, the hormone that I put in Jolva, which is my feminine cream for the vulva, that really helps the muscle layers, the deeper layers. And and we know that from from research with vaginal DHEA. And so so I created Jolva as a solution for women who were struggling with, you know, discomfort during intercourse, with less lubrication, with uncomfortable leaking when we cough or sneeze and those things that can affect us when we get older. And so a little bit goes a long way. And so that was my reasoning behind that because there's nothing over-the-counter for women that addresses these issues in a very natural way. And I wanted to create those. Those are two key things that I really created to help women. A third thing is, Katie, if I can mention, is is using bioidentical progesterone cream. Sometimes we just need that little bit extra. And so, um, you know, adding a little bit of bioidentical progesterone cream that's a good USP progesterone during that second phase of the cycle can make a big difference as, a, as far as PMS and, you know, perimenopausal symptoms can affect us. That can really help. And a little bit goes a long way. And we've got great safety profiles. It's just unfortunate such a confusion in the literature where progestins, synthetic progesterones, get confused with bioidentical progesterones, and they are two different animals completely.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that because I've used uh, bioidentical progesterone before, and it does make a drastic difference, even just a tiny bit. But how might someone know that that could be helpful for them? And then what are those um, cautions of? How should they use progesterone, and how much or how little to make sure they're being in those safe ranges?
0: Yeah, so definitely if you have if you have postpartum depression or you know postpartum blues, a little bit of progesterone cream in the evening. And our my formula is Pure Balance. It's 20 milligrams of progesterone, and 10 milligrams of pregnenolone per pump. And I typically would start clients at a half a pump to one pump at bedtime, or your doctor can prescribe you oral progesterone to take 100 milligrams, 200 milligrams. Sometimes in severe postpartum depression, I would write up as much 400 to 6, rarely 600 milligrams orally in progesterone so starting with a cream at 20 milligrams is a really good starting point creams tend to work they work differently than oral oral pills get 90 percent is metabolized that's why there's such a big dosage difference between creams and oral um, progesterone but if you're having pms postpartum blues and in the perimenopause time period spotting in between periods irregular cycles shorter cycles such as um You know, if you're having shorter or longer cycles, you know, really depends. Or if your cycles are irregular, progesterone can help. And if we call the first day of your menstrual period, the first day you start bleeding, we call that cycle day number one. And typically I have clients start after ovulation, which is somewhere around day, you know, 12, 14, typically. And so start after ovulation and use one pump at bedtime until day 28 of your cycle or until your period stops and starts and then stop the progesterone until day 12 to 14 of your next cycle. And that is better than Prozac, I am telling you. And it's more natural and it's safer and it is addressing the underlying cause of the symptoms you're experiencing. And from my experience, again, I'm a gynecologist where I used to do a couple surgeries a week. When I started using these natural regimens and bioidentical hormones, it really helped me um, or helped my clients eliminate the need for surgery. So went from a you know, couple, two to three surgeries a week to referring out two to three a year. So, so that drastically, when we address the underlying reasons that's causing the symptoms, the symptoms go away. And that is so important. So progesterone can be very beneficial. So we use the cream, and typically I'll have clients, too, to use it on their vulvar or perineal aspect, the pubic area, because it's well absorbed there. We're very vascular there, and we get a really good absorption. But rotate sites, so you can use it there, Um, thin skin, anywhere you see veins. So like lower abdomen inner arms, behind the knees. Now be conscious when we're using any hormone cream and if your husband's using a topical hormone specifically testosterone or DHEA, they can you cannot touch those body parts and do not use the towel they're using. So the same is true with women and that includes with my gelva cream. I mean it's a small dose. I mean it's definitely a small dose of, of DHEA in there, but um, We can transfer these hormones, progesterone or DHEA and testosterone, to our partner. Not a big deal for DHEA because that's, you know, we have one, men have 10 times the level of DHEA that we have. But for our children, that's where it gets, that's where I get concerned. So keep your own hand towel. If you applied the cream, use your hand towel and, and your children don't use that hand towel. Just that one precaution for people. And again, rotating, rotating areas that you use it. With Jolva, we're absolutely fine with using the Jolva cream on the perineum. Um, so again, from the clitoris down to the anus, definitely the vulvar area around the urethra. That works and you can do that continuously. Um, Don't have to rotate sites with that. But with progesterone, we find it better um, because, again, progesterone receptors are all over our body too, to rotate sites. And uh, yeah, so that's how we use it. And that's typically the dosage in the cream is about 20 milligrams. When you're using a topical progesterone, that's a good place to start. Prescriptions can range from 60 milligrams in a cream or less. And then oral progesterone, typically starting at 100 or 200. And again, bioidentical progesterone, not progestins.
1: That's such an important point. And I'll make sure I know you have resources on some of these and you've mentioned products. So I'll make sure to link to those in the show notes. But for someone who uh, wants to find out more about one of these specific issues or just wants to address hormone health, where can they find you on the internet and learn more?
0: So absolutely. So I'm at dranacabeca.com.
1: Awesome. And of course, I'll have that link in the show note as well. Um, And I have a feeling we might get some follow up questions on this. So if uh, we do, I'd love to do a round two with you one day, but I love the work you're doing. And like I said, I'll make sure all those links are included so that people can find you and learn more.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We covered a lot of information, Katie. I know it can feel overwhelming. So I definitely welcome the questions that result from this as well. Awesome, for sure. And I'm sure there will
1: be follow up questions. And um, Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Dr. Anna, for being here. And I will see you next time on the Healthy Moms Podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks, as always, for listening.